Welcome to Mina's Motivation Podcast. Thank you for clicking play. Yeah, seriously, you for clicking play. I appreciate it. Um, So this is a podcast that is going to give you my experience as a black female in America and just my Christian revelations as I continue on this wonderful walk of faith. Sit back, relax, and continue to listen. So I have been going through this summer justice summer camp with NEA, and I have just really been enlightened. Um, I've been learning a lot, and this podcast is just going to share with you what I have learned about social justice, self-healing, and a lot of other things that I think we as educators and people in general need to hear. So stay tuned for more info. Hi, everybody. So as stated before, I decided to join the Summer Justice Series Camp. And this is a um, basically an online camp that focuses on building a community of love, power, and liberation. And when I tell y'all, like, I have learned so much so far, and I'm excited to share with you what I've learned. Like, it's just been amazing. It's been a wonderful healing process. And just, it just helps me to connect with other people to another level. Um, I do want to start off with a vocabulary for y'all, since I have a little teacher in me. This word is called BIPOC, or really it's an acronym, B-I-P-O-C. Now, This word was mentioned in a lot of our comments, and at first I was confused, but then I love the speakers. They took my confusion away and just said what it means. So now I'm here to tell you guys what B-I-P-O-C means. B stands for Black, I stands for Indigenous, P stands for People, O of C, Color. Let's say that all together. Black, Indigenous, People of Color. So this is the whole like focus and undertone i would say of the entire series because they not only give us history about blacks like literally yesterday i learned so much about histories of native americans they go into asian history they go into different history books that we can check out so like it's a lot that goes into this and i also want to um add the intersectionality of lgbtq um so there's this one guy he was so phenomenal so he basically dances and do and does meditations and He just dances unapologetically, right? And I encourage you guys to try to do that. I did it and it was wonderful. I took my little speaker, walked around my neighborhood and just started dancing and moving and being unapologetically black. Yeah, I said it. Um, So that was just um, a very good one. Today, another black guy, or actually a black fellow, he came on and really talked about self-care versus self-reverence. So self-care are those things that you do more like maintenance. So like you do your hair, you buy stuff that you need, or maybe that you don't need because you don't have that much money. Let's be real. We're in a pandemic. Anyway, um, 
And a lot of times this can avoid or distract us from the actual problems and actually who we are. Um, so he actually encouraged us to do self-reverence activities, which allow you to regather, reorder, and break the generational trauma. This was amazing. One of my self-reverence practices are my awareness walks, okay? So when I walk around my neighborhood or walk in front of my mom's yard with my Black Lives Matter, poster or my I matter, my family matters, Black Lives Matters posters, that basically prohibits me from thinking that I'm less than, that I'm minimalized, that I'm marginalized, or that I'm trying to be erased, you know? So I think different things will help different people. It's all in what helps you to regather yourself, reorder yourself, and ultimately love yourself deeply. Um, there's so much going on in society right now. So we want to make sure that we love ourselves deeply so then we can love other people deeply. Um, I loved what he said, how we as teachers and as people on this earth, we can be agents of restoration. Okay, guys, so we can um, help restore our broken society. We can help restore the pains that our students have dealt with. Um, this critical theory of love is basically the capacity, will, and courage to nourish and affirm ones, that means my own, another, and community toward unapologetic wholeness and completeness. That's amazing. That's literally love pretty much to a T. And I'm a Christian, so I like to bring the Bible into most of the things that I think about. And love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not keep um, ticks of how many wrong things they did. So it's very important for us to love, okay, guys? Um, and for us to try to understand each other and listen to one another. Um, another really cool thing I want to encourage you guys to do, um, there's a website that is actually um, going to give you the land that you stay on and what Native American tribes stayed there. So the link is called native dash, more like a minus sign, land.ca. So when you go on this website, native dash land.ca, you will be able to figure out where, um, what Native Americans were on that land that you're on right now. So I thought that was so like amazing, y'all. Um, Native Americans had it hard, y'all. Like they experienced systemic racism. Sounds like black people problems. Yep, they had them. They experienced um, people just trying to destroy them, trying to Americanize them, trying to make them feel more Western. And these are stories that we don't tell, but I'm here to share them with you, right? So yesterday, I watched part of Dawnland. I did not see all of it, but the synopsis of this movie, because I don't want to tell you all about it, it's about children who grew up in foster care and were treated poorly because of their race, because they were Indians or Native Americans, okay? Uh, and this is 
It didn't just start this year. It didn't just start in the past couple of years. When settlers took the land from Native Americans who were already here, it started with taking the land. They moved. Then it started with Indian American schools, too much money. So then it started with foster care, giving more money to mostly white folks who would Americanize the children by having them live with them. But the lives of these children were so hard. We talk about low income and um, we attach it to like these horrible conditions. Imagine that, but worse. Like this one story in the movie was about this lady who like, if she peed on herself in a bed, Mind you, she's a kid at this moment. Um, they would keep her there for 24 hours. Or if you stole food, maybe because they were hungry, they would starve you for like 24 hours. And then they told the social worker and they got the worst beating of their lives. So they never told them again. So these stories are actually starting to come out today. By the way, there are still Indian American boarding schools. So it's not like it has gone away, you know? Um, it has gotten better and a lot of Indians want reparations. Now here's the thing, y'all. Reparations, they want their land back, basically. Now, Indians aren't gonna do what the white folks did a long, long time ago and take the land, kill the people, claim it as their own. They just wanna own the land to take care of the land. They're not gonna push the tenants out because again, they wanna make money too, right? So I think this fear that some, not all white people have is that if I give up my power, um, I'm not gonna have anything or they're gonna push me out or it's this fear. I'm like, we as Black Indigenous people of color are not here to attack you. We're not here to take like everything you have. Now, some of your power will be lowered. That's just how it works. But there is enough power and enough funds to go around. Let's be clear. Um, so yeah, just be mindful of that. Hi, you guys. So I'm going to practice the poem I'm going to read for open mic night. Um, here goes. You are my first audience. This is called An Apology to Black Men. As I sit and reflect on who I've become, I am realizing I have some things to overcome. This fear and prejudice against Black men, that was fueled by media and became a thought process deep within. Black men are not less than. They are valuable and smart. They are successful even when they have, a, they have a rough start. There are many good Black men out there and I respect them. I am sorry I put you all in the same boat. That was a sin. My sin was to judge instead of understand. Growing up in America is like trying to get better but sinking in sand. I was angry. I was hurt. I was literally going berserk. Every man is not the same, and we should love all people, for this is part of my work. I must take a critical look at my past and realize that these thoughts of Black men should not last. I love Black men and how much you all have overcome. Your passion, your skin, your will to run. Stay strong, Black men 
and I will be the first to apologize for being fearful of you when I looked in your eyes. People hurt people, not their skin color. People hurt me, and that does not apply to all of my black brothers. Please forgive me for the poem I wrote. I was broken, I felt oppressed, I judged you, and now I know. This poem is meant to negate the one from my past, so maybe, just maybe, we can be free at last. I hope y'all enjoyed that poem. Um, I have so many other poems I can share, but that's just the one I'm going to do today. Bye, y'all. So I just finished taking my shower. And as I was taking my shower, I was thinking of the words from the youth activists that I um, was able to listen to today. And one of them mentioned the complexities of this decision for us to go back to school. And she said, as a middle-aged child who has access to technology, she wouldn't mind staying home so someone who needs to go back to school due to like home life or parents who have jobs um, and can't provide childcare for their students. So I just really liked her selflessness and I wish other people would do the same. Um, it is amazing how much children can do, how much students can do if we allow them and just empower them to make a change within their own, um, within just their own community. Um, these three particular girls, they started a Black Awareness podcast. Um, definitely check it out. They go to the DMLK school and their podcast is No Justice, No Peace. So K-N-O-W and K-N-O-W piece. So I would definitely encourage you to check that out. We also heard from another activist who she's been activated as she talked about from middle school. So you don't have to be young. You can be however old you want to or however young you want to, to really be an activist and fight for justice and fight for people. She just talked about how she was very passionate about people in general and also her people. Um, and I can totally see how I can be inspired by that, inspired by a girl who's about to go to college, a girl who literally set up the protest that became national about Flint and the water problems. Um, Flint, Michigan is actually um, a place that needs a lot of help right now. Um, she talked about how there's only one middle and high school because there is a shortage of teachers and a shortage of resources. So I think America has been known for helping a lot of other countries, but I would challenge America to look inside and see what do we need to work on? You know, what can we do to make our homeland better? Um, I love the freedoms we have in America, freedom of speech, um, freedom of religion, freedom of press. However, these freedoms are not equitable across different schools, across different businesses, and across different states, if we want to be honest. Um, so I think as America, we have to do better. Um, 
another thing that I really enjoyed, they basically, they meaning the girls who have the podcast, I know I'm going all over the place. They mentioned that you can't really have peace until you have justice. So we have to make sure it's justice for everyone, right? And then like they also talk about just things people don't want to hear. They have a very deep knowledge of history, and that's even made me want to get more into history. So for the past hour and a half outside of my shower, duh, um, I've been looking up like African-Americans who are in North Carolina, and I'm finding so many like inspirational Black people that I have never even heard of, right? So I'm so excited to share some of those with you on like another episode, just like great blackness, right? Um, because a lot of times we can get so consumed in the marginalization, in the um, just disregard for the black experience and just look at it as we were enslaved, we're less than. But in reality, Black people, we have gained so many skills from the pain that we have overcome. We are resilient, we are strong, and we are ready, right? We are ready to be unapologetically Black. I am unapologetically Black. And I think that's what this whole week has been about, like just being who you are and not feeling bad for that, right? Being who you are, and not devaluing someone else in doing that, you know? So, I mean, it's just been a great week. It definitely has been a week of healing, just to realize that there's other people going through similar things that I'm going through, right? We talked about, and this was actually the kickoff, they talked about the Black teacher experience, like feeling like you have to overwork and do all this other stuff. Um, and our white counterparts or our white um, teachers who work with us, they leave early or they don't want to stay late or it doesn't seem like they have to work as hard, right? And I'm not saying this for all teachers, but um, some teachers do have to do that. And oh my gosh, another thing, back on to the student activist. So this girl, she just graduated high school um, and she's actually from Flint, Michigan. And she said that teachers need to take time to plan culturally responsive lessons. She didn't say it like that, but she said, and the other girls mentioned, you can tell when a teacher just found this off of a Black Lives Matter website and copied and pasted and now is presenting it. So you need to take a deeper look in that, be authentic when you teach it. And a lot of times, um, white women or men, they'll come to these hard to teach schools or quote unquote black and brown schools acting like people are just going to love you and you're like their savior, right? That is not the case. And what's amazing and what I'm learning, not even just in this workshop, also in my culturally responsive teaching book is 
that students have so much that they already bring to school. They have so many skills that they already bring. And we have to learn to acknowledge what students bring to the table, build that relationship, build that rapport, so we can increase their analytical skills, increase their intellectual um, capacity and intellectual ability and independent learning. So it starts with an understanding and in order to get to understanding, you have to listen to their truth. Ask them what they want to do, right? Um, and I'm not saying kids are going to automatically be open. I can attest to that in second grade. Like, I didn't really know my kids deeply until almost the end of the year. So I was very sad when they, like, left. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to miss y'all. Um, but it takes time and just keep working through it. And I think also be unapologetically you. Kids don't want you to be a, oh, I'm an at black teacher so I can connect with black kids. No, they want you to be you and be confident in like who you are. And I think that is amazing too. Understand your privilege, understand how other people may not be as privileged and use that, you know, use it to um, benefit others. Um, what else did they talk about today? I love the self-care segment and just taking a step further from self-care and like self, basically reflection. So helping you, helping your body to calm down, helping your mind to center itself and ground itself um, is just an amazing feeling, like doing something that you really, really like. Um, so great, so great. 